Can you imagine a marketing channel or a growth lever that becomes more efficient over time? In other words, that it lowers average cost of acquisition and increases lifetime value the more you use it? You don't have to imagine it. You actually know what it is. It's your network and your relationships. The only problem with that is that relationship building takes a lot of time. Therefore, there is nothing more valuable to your business than maximizing the quality and quantity of relationship you can build in a given amount of time. And there's an incredibly effective way to do that, which we're going to discuss in today's episode. Growing a business is tough. Believe me, I know. I'm a serial entrepreneur with three startups behind me. One went public, the second busted because of bad decisions by the CEO. That was me, by the way. And the third grew to $100 million in sales as part of a larger company that got sold. It took me 20 years to learn how to do it right, but now I'm on a quest to get you there much faster. I'm hosting senior business leaders, entrepreneurs, and world-class experts. Together, we search for gold, strategies, systems, processes, and practical tips that you can implement to grow your business. You will hear fascinating business stories, really funny moments, and lots of actionable business tips. Welcome to the Business Growth Accelerator. Welcome back to the Business Growth Accelerator. This is Isaria Host. And as I mentioned, this episode is different. It's just me, no guest. And we're going to cover how you can maximize the time in which you build relationships and how you can leverage that and make it the most consistent growth lever that you can pull for your business. So first of all, I'm talking about building relationships. I didn't mention MQLs or SQLs or marketing automations or landing pages or automations and white papers or upsells or cross-sells or funnel optimization, all these things. But I promise you, it's going to change the way that you think about sales and marketing. And by the end of this episode, you will have a clear framework that you can use in order to grow revenue consistently while lowering your client acquisition costs, your CAC, and reducing your sales ops costs while growing the lifetime value of your average customer. There are many old school marketing and sales misconceptions that are still very, very common in the market today. We're going to expose some of them and talk about them in the episode as well. So why am I doing this episode now? I'm doing this episode now because it's towards the end of the year. It's been almost two years that we have been implementing this framework for different clients. It started with Pablo Gonzalez and the longest running client, like I said, is almost two years. In the first year, this client was able to build a community of raving fans around their business, lower client acquisition cost in one order of magnitude, grow their sales 3x, increase their average transaction size and increase their pipeline velocity. Now, if you are in sales or marketing or any leadership position in a company, this sounds too good to be true. And you may be thinking that I'm bullshitting you. So first of all, I'm not. And in order to prove that, I'm going to have one of the founders of that company on for the next episode or in one of the next episode of this podcast. But it's true. And in this episode, I'm going to share with you exactly how they were able to achieve that. And the answer to how they were able to achieve that is through relationship-driven growth. I'm sure that you know that having the right relationships, the right network around your business is the most important 
sales asset that you have in your business. It's your best prospects and your best clients and the best referrals come from the relationships you have. It's the people that's going to spend the most amount of money with you and stick with you the longest. Like I said, the only problem with this is that building meaningful relationships takes a lot of time. And time is the only resource, the only asset you cannot have more of. So really the trick, like I said before, is to be able to maximize the quantity and quality of relationships you build in the given amount of time that you have for that. Before we dive into the history of human relationships and human communication that will really explain a lot of what I'm going to talk about later on in the framework, I want to go over the four different kinds of relationships that you can build. The first one is one-to-one relationship building, right? This is like an intimate dinner with either a person or a client or a prospect. It's this very unique intimate experience that you can create that creates that magic and really builds relationships. The second one is one to few. Think about a dinner table with a bunch of people, a small conference, a mastermind. These are scenarios where you're interacting with a few people. It's still small. It's still intimate. It still provides a lot of value and a lot of your personality comes out as part of the process in that relationship building process. It also has obviously the digital variations of this like chat rooms and webinars and virtual conferences and so on. Then you have the third kind of quote unquote relationship building, which is one too many. So TV, radio, YouTube, podcasts, think about all the celebrities that you think that you know well, think about actors, think about uh, talk show hosts. You feel like you know them, even though you've never met them. And it's you and other hundreds of thousands or millions of people who feel the same way because their personality and what they believe in comes across in this one-to-many relationship building methodology. And the last one, the fourth one, the ultimate way of relationship building is creating a community. Community is when people have a shared interest or a narrative that allows them to build relationships across multiple channels, one-to-one, one-to-few, one-to-many, within the community around this shared interest and narrative. More about that towards the end of the conversation. I promised you a little history lesson, so let's go right into it. Through history, humans learned how to harness technology in order to communicate with more and more people in an effective way. So, you know, it started with print, right? Started printing books so a person could write something and distribute it to multiple people. Then you had printed press that happens very quickly and is distributed to more people quicker then radio, then TV, and then today, internet, and so on. The problem with these channels is that it only covers one type of relationship, which is one-to-many, which allows you to really contact a lot of people, but it's a one-way street that is not creating the same level of intimacy that is required for true relationship building. Throughout this entire time, people are always seeking how to use the technology in order to create this one-to-one or one-to-few environment where you can really communicate with a smaller group of people and have them interact with you versus have it as a one-way street. The first time this was possible is talk radio, right? You could have listeners call in, those small number of people, not from the entire audience, but that want to participate could participate. Another great example from TV is talk shows, right? You have a live audience 
that if the talk show is done right, they participate in the conversation. You know, best examples may be Oprah Winfrey. The audience is a part of the show. So if you can do that, you can have a personal, more intimate engagement with a group of people. Technology, though, kept evolving. And then the internet was born. Suddenly, companies could communicate through their website on a very large scale without hiring TV or radio time. But again, a website is only one too many. Shortly after the internet, digital marketing was born. And this was a huge change because suddenly marketers had ways to track user behavior, follow user journey, collect unprecedented amount of data on people online, buy this kind of data from channels they don't own and combine with you know, knowledge in human psychology and improved technology, they could target the right people at the right time and quote unquote, trick them into taking action. So FOMO, fear of missing out became a huge thing. How do you create scarcity? How do you create urgency? Became the bread and butter of marketers. Combine this with the ability for every company to really collect and purchase huge amount of data in order to optimize the funnels and the processes and taking people from point A to point B, and you get the perfect storm. So this led to a world in which terms like leads and MQLs and SQLs and funnels and lead capturing and lead nurturing and automations took over the sales and marketing world completely and relationships were almost forgotten. But going back to history lesson, relationships were the driver behind human engagement and human business since humans existed. So if you think about how long that is, humans existed for about 2 million years, homo sapiens for about 300,000 years, digital marketing exists for about 30 years and really took off, you know, mid 90s. So our DNA as humans is wired to prefer relationships as a way to build trust, engage with people, do business with people, work together with people. And then social media was born. This was a dramatic shift, right? Because it enables you, in theory, to nurture all those kind of relationships, one-to-one, one-to-few, one-to-many, across the globe without paying any publishers or radio channels or TV channels to do so. It even enables creating communities. So this sounds like the dawn of an era of relationship-based business, but it was born in an era where marketers were already drinking the digital marketing Kool-Aid. Companies were obsessed with digital marketing tactics and different kinds of metrics that they could track and follow and look at the path and see how people are clicking on this and going to that and downloading that, and they could upsell them and cross-sell them. So again, relationships were left behind and social media were mostly used by businesses in the beginning to enhance and amplify the digital marketing machine. But, and it's a big but, a new generation of business leaders started to emerge. People you know, like Tony Shea, the legendary CEO of Zappos, who based everything in his company about human relationships first. He proved that you can actually have a successful business in which 
all the level of employees, management, suppliers, distributors, clients, the entire ecosystem of the company can be friends of one another, can truly care about one another, be happy, and grow the business. If you did not read, by the way, Delivering Happiness by Tony Shea, it's a must read, and it really covers in depth this mindset that was implemented in Zappos. But back to our history story. Millennials and then Gen Xers and Gen Zs care a lot more about purpose, about doing the right thing, about having a meaning in what they do. And they're taking a bigger and bigger portion of the economy and the workforce, which is also helping the pendulum swing back towards less about how do we make more money and more about how to build relationships and provide value to people. And so now you have the entire ecosystem of your business, employees, clients, prospects, who care about people, who care about the environment, who care about a purpose and the meaning of what your company represents and the values that you have. In addition, digital marketing channels became so saturated that the rates just keep going up all the time. And the effectiveness keeps coming down, which means once you're done harvesting, your lowest hanging fruits of your target audience, scaling becomes very, very expensive and in many cases, cost prohibitive. So companies, even ones that seen really fast growth in the beginning, get stuck and plateau and cannot grow at the same pace they grew before. And so developing relationships as a way to grow the business is taking center stage again. But now we're back to the problem we discussed in the beginning. Developing relationships, nurturing relationships take time, and time is a scarce resource. So how do you solve the problem? How do you develop four kinds of relationship, one-to-one, one-to-few, one-to-many, and the ultimate form, creating a community in the limited amount of time that you, as a salesperson, as a marketing person, as chief marketing officer, VP of marketing, VP of sales, chief growth officer, whatever title you have that has to bring revenue into the company, you have limited time to invest in creating relationships. How do you maximize that time? And the answer is you need a relationship flywheel. And a relationship flywheel starts with an online talk show. A what? I'm sure that's what you're asking yourself right now. Did you just say relationship flywheel and online talk show? Yes, it's what I said. And let me explain. The idea of a flywheel existed for a thousand years now. It takes time getting started, but as you keep on pushing it, it gains momentum, and then it's very, very hard to stop. It basically pushes the machine forward with very little effort. But what the hell is a relationship flywheel? Well, I promise you this will become clearer in the next few minutes. And as I mentioned, it starts with an online talk show. So what is an online talk show and how can it serve your business. If your company has its own online talk show, you can achieve many different goals in a very short amount of time. You can develop and nurture one-to-one relationships. You can develop a one-to-one relationship with the guest of the show every single week. You can develop one-to-few relationships with your audience. You can help develop the relationship between your guest and your audience, which provides value to both sides of that equation. You can also plant the seeds 
of the community by introducing people in the audience to one another and by creating the narrative around which people can congregate and build the community. In addition to this multi-level relationship building, you provide immense amount of real value to your target audience. You educate them about who you are, what you do, what are your core values as a person and as a business, and you establish yourself as an authority in the field in which you're in. You're doing this by sharing the stage with the biggest experts of your industry. We call this being guilty by association with the right people. So if you have some of the biggest names of your industry sharing your stage with you, everybody in the crowds assume that you are at their level. And all these things happen while you invest only one hour per week. You're spending an intimate hour with your main guest. But if you do this right, if you engage with the people in the audience, every single person in that audience feel like they got an hour of your time. Hence, you are multiplying the relationship building opportunity that you have, which solves the problem that we discussed as the main problem of growing through relationships. But that's not where it ends. So let's go back to the relationship flywheel. So what is a relationship flywheel? Relationships are built around value. And to be more specific, they built around co-creation of value. The internet talk show allows you to co-create value with relevant people in your ecosystem. Clients, prospects, authority figures, experts, decision makers, investors, employees, etc. You are co-creating value with these people, which allows you to grow and nurture more relationships. But that's one aspect of the relationship flywheel. The second aspect is that if you record these conversations, if you record the internet talk show, you can magnify your reach. It allows you to develop relationships one too many, because now you can take the content that you've recorded in that intimate scenario and distribute it as a YouTube channel, social media posts, blog posts, newsletters, podcasts, which really allows you to provide more value to more people. But as we mentioned, providing value allows you to develop and nurture relationships, which allows you to create more content, which allows you to create more value, and the relationship flywheel spins faster and faster and gains momentum. So what is the outcome? The most important outcome of relationship-driven growth is that you are providing true value to everyone in your ecosystem. It creates the foundation for long-term relationship in business versus a quick deal that you can do now and then you don't know if you're going to see that person ever again. It also accelerates the no like trust journey. It attracts only the right people to your business, which means prospects will approach you instead of you chasing them. It also means they would approach you when they want to do business with you, which accelerates the pipeline velocity. It also means that you're going to have less leads and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean less leads? I want to have more leads. Well, that's one of the big misconceptions of current marketing that we're tracking leads all the time. So leads became very, very important. We're so hooked on digital marketing that the number of leads we bring every month became one of the most important things that companies track. The reality is leads that don't convert are a waste of money. So you don't want more leads. You want more revenue. You want more sales. Leads are an expense to the business. 
So if you have to bring a thousand leads in order to close 50 sales, you wasted resources on 950 leads. These are marketing investments, channels, sales calls, etc. But if you can close the same 50 sales from 100 leads instead of 1,000, you will dramatically reduce your cost of acquisition. This is because you'll spend less money on marketing and a lot less time and resources on sales ops, which in return will make you more profitable. So the bottom line is you want less leads, especially when those, especially when those leads are ready to buy, require less time nurturing, and they usually spend more money because they already know you, they know what you sell, they know the value, and they trust your business. And if this is not enough, then comes the final piece, if you want the jewel in the crown of the relationship flywheel, which is turning your audience into a community. What's the difference between an audience and a community? An audience is a group of people who will consume your content and over time will align with what you represent. A community is something very, very different. A community is a group of people with a sense of belonging. They feel a part of your company's journey. They will become your biggest evangelists. And if you develop an engaged community around your business, you will achieve results that you will never be able to achieve with 10 times the amount of marketing spent. Before I sum this all up, I want to touch on a few things that related to digital marketing as it is today. Again, we became addicted to measuring MQLs and SQLs and website traffic and conversion of funnels and so on. And there's two really big problems with the way we track it. Problem number one is a lot of the metrics that we track are vanity metrics, like number of leads that show up on the website. Like who the hell cares? Like I said before, I don't care about leads. I care about how much money I actually make. And very few companies actually know which channel leads to more revenue versus which channel leads to more leads. So they keep on chasing the channels that bring more leads without really looking at which one actually brings higher lifetime value over time and focus on those. And I can guarantee you that every single time you would measure that, you will see that relationship-driven stuff generates significantly higher lifetime value than any other channel. The second problem is relates to how people buy. People today and forever, but today it's a lot easier to do, start their purchasing process with research. And guess what? They don't go to your website as the first thing when they want to do research. They go on blogs, they go on podcasts, they watch YouTube, they go on chat rooms, they go on Slack channels, they go on social media, they ask their friends, they ask their colleagues. All of this is happening in places that you cannot track. It is also called the dark funnel for that reason. So people are making a big portion of their journey, of their decision-making journey, before they ever interact with something that you can track. So what you're tracking is the final 10 or 20% of their journey, which means they already had intent. They already knew what they want to buy. You were on the radar for them somehow, and they decided to go and check your website. What the relationship flywheel does, the fact that you have your own platform, your own stage, and you engage with people all the time, interacts with them on all these channels. The fact that you have your own stage and that you're consistently creating valuable content that is distributed across all these channels allows you to impact and engage with your prospects in the research phase while they're making the decision, which again will support your conversion and your costs 
once they actually show up on your website. Now, this may sound like I have something against data collection and marketing automation tools and so on. The contrary is true. I'm a huge believer in data tracking and I'm a huge believer in marketing systems and automations, but they should be used to enhance the relationship flywheel rather than chasing vanity metrics like MQLs and SQLs. So use your tools to track the lifetime value of each acquisition channel and then figure out the ones that are working, which are mostly going to be relationship driven and use your marketing tools and your automation tools to grow that. The bottom line is that relationship building is the best growth strategy there is. And the best way to maximize your relationship building time in a sustainable way in order to create growth to your business is implementing your own relationship flywheel. It will grow sales. It will grow revenue. It will reduce your CAC, your average cost of acquisition. It will increase your client lifetime value. It will increase your pipeline velocity, and it will reduce the stress of your marketing team and sales and sales ops teams. If you agree that building relationships is the best growth strategy there is, and if you intuitively understand how the relationship flywheel works, but you want to learn more because it sounds really complicated to implement it, just reach out to me on LinkedIn, Isar Metis, I-S-A-R-M-E-I-T-I-S. I'm the only Isar Metis on LinkedIn. As you can tell, I hope, I'm very passionate about this. I've seen this work on multiple companies across multiple industries in different sizes of companies. So if you want to understand how this can work for you and how to implement it in your business, I would gladly have that conversation with you. Or alternatively, just visit our website at bethestage.live. We do this as a done-for-you service for companies. I truly enjoyed sharing this information. It's been a very long journey for us to understand all the details and all the moving parts for this to make this successful. And I really hope you found this valuable. And until next time, have an incredible week. Your business growth is my number one priority in this podcast. To do that, I want to bring the biggest names that I can and get you practical tips as frequently as possible. And you can help. Visit Apple Podcasts right now, subscribe, download, rate, and review the podcast, and I would really appreciate it. And if you want my number one tip for business growth acceleration, visit growthaccelerator.biz right now. Yeah.